Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's a Faith and Family Friday edition. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Carrie. Hi, dear. Hey, Tom. Carrie, we're going to talk about faith, family, finances. Isn't that going to be fun? And food. There's a whole bunch of F's in there. Fellowship. Let's see if we can come up with some other words. Fellowship of the Rings. We're going to talk about the Lord fasting. of the Rings. Talk about fasting. fasting. Wow. We're going to do a lot. It's going to be a full program today. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about all those things. And I'm excited to do that. And we'll be back in a minute to get started. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we come before you today and we thank you for your teaching with authority. We thank you, Lord, that you offer a teaching that impacts our lives. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would bless us. I ask you to bless um, all parents who are seeking to form their kids in faith and are seeking ways to um, draw upon Catholic schools to be a, a source of formation and evangelization and discipleship. Thank you, Lord, for the schools that have impacted our lives, our families' lives. And Lord, we ask you to continue to bless uh, our children and grandchildren, uh, for all who are listening, their grandchildren who are uh, seeking to be formed in faith. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, next week is Catholic Schools Week, and uh, we got a lot going on. Actually, tonight, there's a formal, we didn't even mention that F, there's a formal, the Chesterton <laughs> Academy of Notre Dame has a, a formal. I really love that. That's really cool. A winter ball. Oh, is that what it's called? Yes. Nice. And I get to do desserts. Oh. Very exciting. That does not start with an F. I get to bring food. Fancy. <laughs> Fancy food. food. <laughs> well, uh, today in the program, we've got a lot to cover. And um, I guess maybe a good place to start would be um, going without food, fasting. Uh, last week, you and I uh, did a fast. Uh, I didn't know it was only going to last five days. But at the end of those five days, we went. We were at that Chesterton play the St. Joan of Arc play. And I almost fainted. There's another F word. <laughs> yeah. And it, the play was really neat to just to see, what was it the sophomore class, junior class? Uh, yes. Ju who? Junior, class. The junior class. Yes. The junior class. They did a great job. And uh, on St. Joan of Arc, uh, it, it just, it's very inspiring. St. Joan, you think a teenager can have such a big impact on, uh, on her world, right? On her whole country and her willingness to just say, fight, advance, battle, push, don't stop, don't hold back. It was very powerful. Yeah, it was great. If I had the visions that she was getting, I might be able to rise to some level of- You do that a lot. Well, you give yourself does. like exit stage, right? You give yourself a way out because you're not seeing visions and you're not 
uh, having uh, apparitions of saints and things like that. It, power of the Holy Spirit, miracles coming down. I I long to be amazed. I long to be astonished. I know that's the gospel. That's this Sunday is when he enters the synagogue and they hear his teaching. It's a new teaching and they all are astonished at it. And there's just a part of me that I long for that just awakening of my heart, my soul, for faith, for depth. Well, and I think the thing that was astonishing was that said that he taught with authority. And when you think of authority, what do you think of? It wasn't that he was speaking harshly or intensely. When you think authority, what do you think? I In that reading, I think he speaks with command, like the words that he speaks are his and the integrity. I'd say it this way. You can hear you can hear two people, two homilists, two preachers, two teachers give the same message, but the one that speaks with authority, those words are like boulders. They just knock down walls. I long for that. For that, do you know a preacher right now? I just was thinking, do I know a preacher where I listen and I'm amazed or astonished at his words or his holiness or her holiness? There are a couple that I do listen to and it moves me. Uh, not in person. I think that's a blessing of uh, media is you can find these great talks or hear these great this great preaching in, or even go back and hear preaching from many, many years ago for people who spoke with great authority. Yeah, I'd say authority is convicting. If when someone teaches with authority, I feel convicted. Moves. Yeah. Me to want to move, to be to take action. And I think that's what happens in fasting. Uh, last week you fasted without any food for five days. I just did daily 24 hour fasts. I guess it would be a 23 hour fast. So I'd eat one hour windows. And I think that well, fasting moves. Well, big max in one hour. I mean, you know. That's, How much food can I jam in my mouth? But there is a sense of hungering, desiring, aching, longing. It awakens that that hunger in me for for what is real or for food that does not quit. No, for food that does not satisfy. Satisfy. Yeah. Yeah. I And I've talked about this before when I've done these fasts that during the five days, honestly, I really wasn't that hungry. I know that sounds odd, you know, doing a water fast, but I didn't wake up and feel these like intense pains in my stomach. And in, in the course of the day, like say, oh, I'm not going to make it. I don't have this energy and I'm just going to collapse. That it wasn't does, like that at all. That does sound hard to believe. Yeah, it, it it it's almost the opposite. It was almost like I had a sense of, I had space. I had an awakeness. I had an alertness. It's, I, I think one of those realizations that when we eat in a normal American way, I don't, is that a thing? Maybe in the way that in a normal current way, right? If I just think about the normal way I'm eating, uh, I get tired. I need to sleep more. When I wake up, I'm more groggy. When I eat food at breakfast, even if it's not bad food, like eggs or eggs, I just have eggs. Yeah, black uh, black coffee and eggs. It's it, it's keto, right? Lunch, I have salad. Well, guess what? I still get tired. Because my body is uh, 
you know, digesting the food, processing the food. really interesting. And so even that, you know, even just eating that way versus doing the water fast. And again, I disclose, I'm not asking that you should do a water fast because it might hurt you. But for me, it's so striking that the saints had this amazing sensitivity to God and his holy presence. And they lived a life of fasting. It wasn't just they fasted here and there. They lived a life of fasting and penance. And it was all about remove the blockages. Fasting removes the blockages. Fasting is like a a big boulder that knocks down walls and opens up horizons where all of a sudden God is more present and, and at work. I think that's the biggest thing. Did you see that last week? Oh, huge, huge. These breakthroughs, it was breakthroughs. It's like fasting is boulders. Fasting is boulders. <laughs> fasting is boulders. Fasting releases boulders to blast through walls that we just think are there. When in fact, through fasting, God is freed to move, right? I, I, I love that phrase. Fasting is the weapon of the powerless. There are things in our lives that we just think are, well, you know, we just don't really have a big expectation that anything's going to happen there. And then all of a sudden we're fasting. And I I, I told you, I was telling you stories. Like this guy called me. Yeah, He texted me and you and I were talking about him. We were trying to figure out what are we going to do with those uh, mining cards for the computers and this and that. And the next, and we mentioned that guy is a guy that we hadn't talked to for months, months. And we were saying, hey, we should probably... Um, reach out to him to see if he can help us sell his GPUs. That was one of five strategies. We weren't sure which one to use, but yeah. yeah. And and the next day he texts me and says, hey, how's it going? Uh, How's it going with the GPUs? And I reached out to him and I said, well, hey, I got to tell you, it's so fascinating. It was fasting. And and I, I feel like that was the reason why uh, you, there was a breakthrough was that you came to us. I didn't even have to reach out to you. And he he just said, I can't believe this. I'm finishing the 21 day fast. And I said, Oh my gosh, I was doing a 21 day fast, but I only, I only did five days. And he said, after five days, I stopped too, because I went out to dinner with my wife. And, and so it was just so cool that yeah, these linkages that God was bringing something together that again, you, you might stop in on the outside and look at it and say, Oh, that's a coincidence. But on the inside how of it, you experienced it how i experienced it was no this was god awesome this was god opening this door and i have 10 stories like that from last week and those those were stories that were specifically connected to uh specifically happening during the same window while i was fasting you know i think for me the fasting really focused my days I felt as if I was on a journey or on a mission or had a purpose to my step that, oh, I'm fasting. And it was constantly in my the back of my mind because I would feel a little hungry or just naturally want to eat something when I was bored or when I was excited or when I was just relieving like work stress, trying to figure out this project we're doing. And it really is a sense that I'm on a journey or God has something or I'm working in partnership with him, it just elevated my spiritual sense of what I was about, which actually made me just sense, oh, this is important. Versus when I just live day to day, I lose that sense of importance and focus and on a, I wouldn't say adventure, it's more purpose. 
that the Lord is, is working through us and doing something. So there was a book written in 1939 called Gadsby. Okay. Not the Great Gatsby. Not the Great Gatsby. Gatsby. This yeah. is called Gadsby. And it was about a town that got revitalized because of the efforts of the leading character who starts a youth group. What was interesting about this entire novel is that it lacked the letter E. What does that mean? The entire book is written. Oh, and there's no. Are you telling me this? There's no word in the entire novel hey, that has the letter E. Hey, I could do that in two hours, one hour, five minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, I just write a book and you can't use the letter B. But I know E is a very common letter for words. So why did this come to mind? Because it feels like the letter F we've been talking about fasting is omitted from the book of discipleship that so many of us are living and writing with our lives. You know, I was talking to my sister about this or she was sharing with me and she just did a talk. Oh, she did a talk on fasting and she used the three F's. I don't even remember. I don't remember what her, I'm sorry, sorry, Lord. <laughs> However, she was just saying, lamenting, why don't, why have I never heard this from the pulpit? Why have we never heard the power of fasting? Have you heard a priest or heard a talk? Yeah, almost never. I mean, maybe the closest would be what we hear uh, when we were going to the traditional Latin mass. Those priests would talk about even traditional days of fasting and even seasons of fasting where yeah. it was a regular practice. I, I it, This is an insight that I, I, I kind of keyed in on, I don't know, 20 years ago when I was looking at what was said after the Second Vatican Council where they changed the rule on penitence. And it it basically stripped away the requirement to fast to only um, two days a year. I don't know what those two days are. Okay, are good, Friday, well, good, good Friday, Friday is Ash one Wednesday. and Ash Wednesday. Those are the only two required days. You got two small meals and one big meal. And it changed the definition <laughs> of what fasting is. Dumb. I'm right. sorry. It just seems so dumb. No, 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 no. It's 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 diminished. So it's diminished, so which is so dumb. Limited. And so when I when you think about that, it's like, oh, you can have one full meal and two partial meals that don't add up to another meal. It, it feels like it's all done for the sake of I don't know what. If we're fasting for sacrificial reasons to serve the Lord, to to sacrifice on behalf of him, to, to partake in union with him and his suffering, his his fasting, to be like him. It's like, well, this does not add up at all. It so like what is you've it? heard me say this before, right? That theology used to be taught in treatises. So you'd you'd have a a course on God is one and then a course on God is three. I just was talking about this this week. You had a course on God, the revealed God, and the hidden God. There was a course on the ascetical life, which was fasting and spiritual disciplines. That was taught in relationship to, in, co in conjunction with the mystical theology growing in, uh, in, in the spiritual life. And what, what we're saying is you take away, you're taking away one of the legs in the stool. That's so sad. Yeah. So no, do you know why we don't have many mystics and saints? It's because we, we don't have many penitents. I long for us. Okay. As long as much as I want to be astounded, astonished, astonished amazed, I, I long for a saint. I would love to see a holy, holy person of God, like someone who just elevates in a way and is close to the Lord. 
they would draw so many people to them. Now with social media, be posted all over <laughs> this holy man or woman of God. Yeah, but here's the thing. There's like watching on a screen versus coming into the presence of. There's something incredibly powerful about coming into the presence of a saint. And um, I think that that's different. Like there's only there's only so much uh, power really that you can have coming into contact with a saint online. Um, so I, I think there's probably just diminished sense of authority. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, more sound insight. Welcome back to the program. Carrie, we're talking about fasting. And one of the other things that had kind of a like a, an association with it was I, said, let me, let me kind of cut back on the, the use of technology. And so instead reading books, we talked about that. And so I, I'm, I'm all the way, almost all the way done with the Lord of the Rings again. Wait, all three books? All three. I'm uh, almost to page 200 in the bro book. The bro book, Just... the brothers Karamazov. <laughs> I can't imagine I've gone through a thousand pages of Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, and you're reading Dostoevsky. God well, bless you. Why would the, you do that? The only reason I'm only to 200 pages is I put it down last week and I haven't picked it up again. <laughs> you know, there is something about that. I got to say that like, fasting kind of creates that space to be able to say, I'm going to do things that maybe I wouldn't otherwise do. And uh, I loved being able to say, I'm not even thinking about, oh, jumping on a phone or a laptop. And, and you know what? I didn't really fast very well this week. Uh, it's kind of almost back to normal eating, but I I'm still battling, but it's, it's a battle. I'm it losing. It feels like it's a battle. It is a it's battle. Like all or nothing. I don't, For I can't me it do is, uh, yeah. halvesies. Or I can do great until three o'clock in the afternoon. I think I've talked about that. So know thyself, right? Say, you know, no human, Socrates, human person. Socrates had it right. So, Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> and they said that at the play last week. Socrates, Socrates, uh, Plato, right? Know thyself. And the, know that stuff that you've got limits, you got weaknesses and recognizing those times when you're likely to do that. I got to tell you, one of the worst, worst habits is going to bed late. That is one of the worst habits for you, for me, or for everyone, or just, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's for everyone. I, mean, I think there's a lot worse habits you could have, but yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, because the best time, my best time is like four in the morning. I love when you fast and you get up at four in the morning. It's no, so... but it, here's the thing. I don't get up. I wake up. Okay. When you just naturally wake up. It's crazy. It's, uh, I, I love sleeping and I just wake up and I wake up not tired. It's, it's an incredible gift. So, okay, let's stop talking about that. Let's just talk about the fact that reading the Lord of the Rings is so moving when you get good literature Talk about authority. It has such an impact. And the truths that J.R.R. Tolkien puts into that book, so beautifully Catholic. I, I got to tell you, there's a whole book in there on discernment. What were the things that struck you this time around that you were surprised by? Uh, there were certain, I, I, I don't remember the lines, but there were certain lines in there, certain lines that just were relevant to me. And I've read them before, but they, I didn't remember them all. But then it was like, oh, wow, that was so powerful to me. And it's just the overarching theme. The overarching theme is you have been appointed to be alive in this moment. And there's a mission that comes upon you. You don't choose it. 
it is thrust upon you. And yet now you have to make a choice. Will you see this through? Will you see it through to the end, even if it means everything, the loss of your life, the giving of your life? And that's the story, right, of Frodo and Sam. And they have got to see this thing through to the end. And uh, the way that Gandalf and Aragorn and and the uh, other company, they have go, they've got to put themselves out right in front of Sauron, the the bad guy, and basically say, "Come and kill us, so that you'll be distracted, so that Sam and Frodo can make it to Mount Doom and throw the ring away uh, and destroy it." And it worked. Maybe right? I should read that book. Oh, what was cool was, I, I got to say, oh, let me tell you, it was that thing that said uh, there was this sense of urgency that emerged within them Okay, that came from outside, right? It was just like, all of a sudden, Sam and Frodo had this burst that said, wait a minute, we have to go. And, and they, they had no way of knowing that they, the moment that they were doing that, they were basically going to save the lives of their friends. And, you know, and then the, the friends are that are like in this other part of the world, Middle Earth, they're doing the same thing. They have to act now. And, and in acting now, they're basically freeing up the Sam and Frodo to push forward in their mission. So that sense of now is the time. This fantastic sense of urgency and being on mission. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the in that sense of you don't get to see all that's going on. You don't even realize how it's all tied together, but there's a play. And I, like I was weeping last night on the couch. If you came out, you would have seen me like just, you know, snot coming out of my nose and tears in my eyes. And because they made it, they made it through and they were being celebrated. And it makes me think about heaven. Like, do you ever think about uh, getting to heaven and it's sort of like you're coming out onto uh, like a football field that's full. No. Full of angels and saints. And you've just been judged and you're arriving into heaven and you come out onto the field. No, my heaven is like the pearly gates. I'm going up ascending. That's the only heaven vision I know about. I'm serious. I, I thought about this. I think about that. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear. I want the Frodo welcome where you got there and you get through and the angels and saints it's not 50,000 100,000 it's 100 million you know they're welcoming you into heaven and they're like well done you did it you you like left it all out on the field you poured your life out you yes yes you did it you, you please the father <laughs> You don't have any sense of that? Uh, I yeah, think we've been I'm, married 29 and a half, almost 30 years. And you didn't know that about me? I, that's No, I think, well, I think uh, when we enter into that time, it's going to be, there's my God and my King, my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to fall down and worship and just be overwhelmed with the love the Father has for me and those who are welcoming me. It's just going to be more just a big love fest, not good job, you won. It's not about a a game. It's more an encompassing of the you family. The victory. It's the I, you coronation. Know, Come think, on, yes, the I, blessed mother, a crown. I think if we are here in the end times and it's a battle and there's martyrdom and all that stuff, then yes, I'm going to be very glad to cross over into the other side. However, 
I think more just being encompassed in love and, and joy and peace and surrounding. I'm not sorry. Nothing on football field. Everyone's going to cheer me on. No. <laughs> no, not cheer me on, but or cheer that I made it. Yeah, I like, arrived. You, you get acknowledged that you poured your life out. That's it. And that maybe that's hey, that's the difference between a guy and a girl. Uh, yeah, and I want, and I've heard this. I think it's going to be more intimate. It's going to be the Lord reviewing my life, and it's He and I. And there's more of a my my God, my Creator, my King. The angels and saints will be there, but that's not the moment. I don't know. I said you were judged and then you get let in. Okay. And so right. I said that judgment happened outside the stadium. And then you come into the stadium and it's like, yeah, let's go. Right. right. So, all right. Well, talk about a big crowd. Our kiddos a week ago, were at a big crowd. We weren't on last week because of the March for Life. And yet, lo and behold, <laughs> was it Ariana sent the picture? Yes. Group text. What was that? You want to tell the story? Uh, she sent a photo of uh, the boys uh, went to the mass at the Basilica. Well, first of all, they drove to D.C. in two cars. They took a minivan and a, another vehicle. All I know is John Luke was driving all the girls in a minivan in the snow. So no snow tires, no front wheel drive. The minivan. <laughs> and the Pennsylvania highways are not well, you know, manicured were taken care of during snowstorms, but they made it. Thank you, Lord. They stayed with uh, good friends of mine that I went to Franciscan with. Uh, this guy and gal got married. They both graduated from Franciscan and they themselves have a ton of kids and live in Falls Church. And it just happened that they ended up staying at their house with a bunch of kids, freshmen. It was all freshman kids. Well, were they really? So they bypassed the buses, the safety, the five hours. The buses that you paid for. You said- <laughs> Kids, you, you want to go to the March for Life and I'll the pay the tickets. List. Yeah. And they, they got to stay an extra day and, and see the sights, I guess. But they ran after mass to the front of the line and they ended up in the National Review magazine uh, with the big banner that's white and red. And it says March for Life, the roses or something like that. And so it was cute. They're on the front of the magazine cover. Um, that was cool. John Mark was saying he was like on someone's shoulders, leading the cheers, getting people all <laughs> riled up and hyping them up. Hyping them up. And, but that's, uh, there you go. That, you know, there they were. They'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. I'm so happy. Being at them. the front of that line and, and everyone's cheering. It's like cheering them on. It's like, guys, mm -hmm. it wasn't about you. <laughs> and, you know, they were with a bunch of other bros from Penn State. And then they had to drive back and the, I think it ended up snowing because we had a big snowstorm here. They were having it there. It was just bad weather all over the Midwest and, and over here in the West coast too. Um, Cause I know the other side of the mountains got a lot of snow or some enough snow. Um, anyhow, everyone got home safely. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, they had a great time. Just glad they went. And it was, I guess a great rally. Didn't hear much about it at all in the news, although I don't watch the news, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's so interesting because uh, that was always one of the critiques that mainstream media would focus on the wrong thing and underestimate that the crowds and all of that. Now it's sort of mainstream media. You're kind of irrelevant when it comes to even reporting on these things. On anything. They're just irrelevant. Irrelevant. I don't watch it. Lots of people don't. That's just, we don't. And it's not to be trusted. Anyhow, well, with the fasting... One of the things, uh, I was going to tell you this, I took Annalise out to lunch today or yesterday. She had a half day and 
I thought, oh, I'll pick her up and just go get a, a quick bite to eat. But I was fasting. So I said, I won't eat. I'll just let her order something. Of course, I ended up having some of her sandwich. But we found this little like dive of a place over by where the school is. You know you're in a bad neighborhood when the Mother Teresa's nuns have a house there. <laughs> just like they're on the other side of town and you just kind of stay away from wherever they're they're living because they choose the, the poorest neighborhoods. And eventually, initially, I went into a place and it was a tattoo parlor, even though on my phone, it said it was a I restaurant. Stumble into a tattoo parlor. And it was a big tattoo parlor, like eight chairs and all these tattoos all around. It was a nice. I've only been to, into a couple, like stumbled across upon them. I have never been in a tattoo parlor. I, Why I, would you ever have been in a tattoo? I don't know. Like I was walking down a main street and there was a tattoo parlor. I just poked my head in. Pipe Place Market or something. I can't remember exactly where they were, but this was a huge parlor, like a big, think of a um, place to go get your hair Like done. a barbershop, yeah. But yeah, he said it used to be, uh, I'm not sure. So I talked to the guy and um, he was full of tats and the three gals that worked there, full of tattoos. And then several of his kids were there sitting down. I didn't notice they had tattoos, but it was just, okay, this is not where I want to get food. And so he gave me some recommendations. We ended up going down the street, on this dirt road, big potholes. I'm thinking, where is this restaurant? And it's just this dive of a place, literally a bar. But they said they had great barbecue. So we sandwiches. So we went in there and um ordered a sandwich, just a club sandwich. Guess how much our bill was? It felt like you and I went out for dinner. What what would it cost for us to go out for lunch or dinner eight years ago? Yeah, I don't know. 25 bucks, 20 bucks. It was $25 for one sandwich. And Annalise ordered a soda when I was in the bathroom. <laughs> $25 for a club sandwich. And it was this dive bar. I'm thinking, how? How? Anyhow, I, I didn't say anything at the time. I was just like, whatever. And the sandwich was really good. But um, I think this is why people don't go out to eat. Or you just can't afford. How do you afford this? So I was listening to this podcast. And they said, okay, if you want to like rein in your spending and try to cut back. They had these three strategies to help you be more uh, efficient. Yeah. So one was a fast where you spend 21 days, not spending any money. Are you fasting from spending money? Yeah. This could be a thing. I like that. So just do three weeks or 21 days where you're not buying any drinks or gas or food. Well, gas, wait a minute. Well, you just have to fill up and very unnecessary spending. And then that, which is really, okay. If you have to go to the ER, because you, you know, you broke open your kneecap. Yes. You can spend money on that, but no spending unless it's um, no unnecessary and even necessary spending. I guess you'd plan ahead. Yeah, so. you'd have to. I, I, but I, I love that idea because the, the concept is what? Fasting is going to expose. It'll expose those urges, those attachments. It exposes uh, the things that are blocking us from going forward, right? And, and it allows you to focus. And if you stop spending money all of a sudden, it's going to start revealing the things that, hey, wait a minute, what do I actually spend my money on? And I I know that. I, I don't know. It, it feels like, you know, there was this report that came out yesterday that said the economy was doing so well and there was all this like great news. And again, that's, is that fake news? I, I don't know. Well, they, they said the GDP grew by this enormous it's amount. High. It's and, also the highest credit card debt and it's the highest debt the American single Americans have in the history. The other, the other strategy that would go really well with fasting and being frugal is it's called eat out of your house. And so you basically 
instead of going out to eat, you eat all the food in your refrigerator or all the food in your pantry until you've basically cleaned it all out. So you eat. I love eat that. Out of your Terry, we've had like cans of beans for years. And, and I, I sit there and I look at those cans. I, you don't check the expiration date, do you? No. And how do you know they, how do you know they're not new? Because I'm looking for cans of tuna fish and chicken. And, yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is this continues to be here. This this doesn't go away. And I, does this ever get used? I do have a few things that need to be used. Well, the, the idea is Amer- the average American wastes $1,500 a year on throwing out food, which I can believe. You Just throw- like food that goes bad. Yeah. Like I'll take meat out and forget about it or I'll, a lot of greens, like lettuce. I should we do that. Let's do spinach. that. Carrie, that would be such, that would be like an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the thing. Eat everything until it's gone. I love that. <laughs> Sometimes you open the refrigerator and go, there's nothing to eat. My oh, kids like it all oh, the time. That is so. I'm thinking. There was so much to eat. Now we have to put some effort into it and make it taste good. But you know what would go really well with this? Fasting. So some days I will fast and I will say to myself, I'm not going to eat anything except the vegetables and the cheese. The diced tomatoes. Bad, the garbanzo beans. That are bad, that are going bad in my refrigerator. And I tell you, by six o'clock at night, I will happily eat the vegetables and the cheese that's going bad because I'm so right. hungry. What's the thing that comes out of my mouth when I eat a meal after fasting all day or. Ah, uh, so good. I see. This is the most the amazing, most- <laughs> whatever it was I've ever had in my ramen. whole life. It's amazing. Soup. It, that, that sense of appreciation is really, really something. So if you, if we, if I say to myself, I'm just going to fast. The only thing I can have during that one hour right, window. I'm going to try that. Okay, I'm willing to. It might not be as healthy because I'm like I had a salad today at lunch. It might not be as healthy for me to eat a, a, a can of garbanzo beans. Well, I think you could. Most of the food that we have that goes bad is healthy food. Carrie, none the of, stuff that you freeze, none of, you I, freeze the craziest stuff. All right, like there's like two pancakes, blueberry pancakes, and I swear I'm like these have been here for a year. Well, the dog. The dog will get those. I feed some of the stuff to the dog. That makes me feel so good that I don't have to throw it away. Okay. Right. right. Let's clean out the freezer and the refrigerator, but we can't clear out okay, our we shelves. Are, we're, we're coming up against a break. We need to end this right here. This is, all right. but I, I'm inspired. I'm inspired. Now I'll report back next week on how I do with that. So, all right, back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, uh, along with fasting, there's also, well, we talked about reading, but what about exercise? I think that that's a, another factor here that um, when, again, when I was fasting, it was, it was easier. I know that sounds weird, but it was easier to get to the gym. I think part of it was I win back all that time. But I know that there is a way in which when you can treat your body like that temple of the Holy Spirit, 
and and include in that a sense of I'm not just eating in a healthy manner, but I'm also working out. You just feel better. You just feel better, more alive. I know that you've been you've been running more. I don't know if I've been running. I think this has been the hardest part of my journey the last year is exercise. I just don't like to do it anymore. Can I say that? I don't like to run. And I used to love it. I just run out the door and go for a quick run. It was so easy. It gave me the natural endorphins and the high, the runner's high. And I enjoyed, I don't know, so much about it. Age stage in life. Uh, Yeah. Cause after I run, I'm sore and achy and I have to, I lose, I don't gain energy necessarily. I'm tired for the next hour. Are you going to become one of those walkers? We see those walkers that come come down our street. We, we live on a cul-de-sac that is a halfway it's, point it's a it's an oasis for people that are going up the hill so they come down it's our street yeah it's a it's a straight street that gives them a little break from continuing going up you know i've been walking a lot and i, I walk on the incline because right now you can't walk outside it's too icy and dangerously icy i mean the other night was so bad we salted our driveway and whatnot but i was watching people and even down in the the lower valley the I think it was in the morning time, just everything froze and it was treacherous, but I I don't mind walking on the treadmill. And then I find now that if I walk, I can read or I can watch something. Um, So it feels like I'm doing two things at once and then just simple lifting. But honestly, it just doesn't give me the same excitement and it's not as effective as running. I just need a new routine altogether. What are you talking about? to do something different i was talking about playing pickleball pickleball i thought well i dropped off our daughter at the hub it's an athletic place where she practices and um there were all these cars and i was dropping her off after we spent 25 dollars on that lunch that was shared <laughs> and i thought why is this place so crowded none of the schools are out and they have this whole tournament or this whole uh, pickleball club that plays there and they're older people that are retired because it was at two o'clock and I thought that would be fun. I need to find something I enjoy that's exercise, not, I don't know. Yeah, every day we, when we have practice there, at, whenever we've had practice there at three o'clock, we're always showing up and the the people that are on the court are finishing using the basketball court for pickleball. They've got like to play with you. two or three games going. Can we just go? Oh yeah, that'd be cool. I like playing pickleball Pickleball's with fun. It's easy. You can it's, whack that it's ball. It's old man's tennis. <laughs> It's great. Well, it doesn't hurt my elbows and it doesn't hurt my shoulder. Like tennis, literally, I can't grip yeah. the racket like I used to. And You know, they're building an entire building. And one of the principal reasons is pickleball courts. Oh, yeah. well, that's what I think they should do down at Mill River. That whole middle section between the river and the houses should be put turned in some- into like six courts. And play right there on the river, put some lights up. You can play at night. I'm sure all the neighbors would love that. And yeah. hear the ball whack around all night long, but being whacked. But um, anyhow, I need to find a different exercise, Tom. Um, walking is fine. But I tell you what, it's it's this whole thing. If you want to have a better, happier life, this this uh, a longer life, right? Better, happier, smarter life. They said oh, smarter life. That's what it was. Exercising for uh, 23, 28 minutes a week. They did like 10,000 uh, people ages 18 to 80. And they said those who exercised at least 28 minutes a week, which is like four minutes a day, have a bigger brain. That's what it was. Their brains were bigger. Now, of course, this is a skewed, uh, a skewed um, survey or, you know, how you can change the statistics. But still, I thought that bar is so nice and low. I can walk for four minutes a day. (laughs) I can literally walk uh, like up the stairs and down the stairs three times and I'll, I'll have that covered. 
I, 28 minutes seems so low. I know it's moderate too. Just, you can walk, you can swim. It doesn't have to be this intense. Well, then I, I'm, I'm exercising every day. I walk around. I mean, well, is it- being sedentary and not doing anything is just so deadening. Like I know if I've not done anything for three days, I just feel, oh, so, and they said, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Meaning just get out there and walk 10 minutes, walk five minutes. I've, I have a couple of different podcasts that, um, or one hey, on walking. I, you didn't mention something, but go ahead. Um, the treadmill, we were going to get rid of the treadmill and get another one. And I said, Hey, wait a minute, we can fix this. And so I got the videos out and got the tools out and the boys did it. Yes. And it works. It doesn't squeak anymore. It's awesome. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Isn't that awesome? And it went from the garage down into the room. Here we are. I'm looking yes, at it. I know. There's the treadmill. Nice. So I love that idea that it, the idea that you can actually have a treadmill that lasts 10 years. Yeah. It, it's at least 10 years old. But wouldn't that be nice just to find an exercise you can do simple, moderate with your spouse or, or with a friend. I think walking is just fine. It doesn't have to be rigorous. Obviously walking after meals is the most impactful as far as calorie intake. I've listened to this whole fasting thing, but um, if you want to, you know, associate it with weight loss, but just being able to be outside and to get some fresh air is so helpful, especially during this time of year. We know that it's winter. We know the days are long or the the nights are long and, you you know, it gets dark around five and you're just kind of in the house for hour after hour. And it just feels like there needs to be a breakage or a release. Or I said to you, I think it's so healthy to get out of the house at night and go play pickleball or go to some some place where you can walk. If if you can't walk because of the weather, go to the mall or um, go somewhere where it's safer. I don't know where else you'd go besides the mall for a walk. <laughs> well, here anyhow, Jim. I see. Yeah. Anyhow. Well, yeah, in the winter for sure. Uh, if you're on the west side, you, you have a lot more options. I think if you just if you're willing to live in the rain, right? Live with the rain. Uh, there's, but that idea of like a small gain can lead to something more significant. What was that thing about? Like, if you put away a dollar a day and then the dollar and 10 cents or $2 (laughs) after a year, you'll have after you have $1,300 is not a ton of money, but it's a lot for when we were first married. What was the, what was the practice? A dollar a week, $2 a second week, $3. The yes. The third week, $4, the fourth week. And then week week 52, $52. And you end up with $1,300. Really? Which sounds, you know, for us, that's not a big deal, but for our kids, you know, those little gains for young adults who are trying to figure out savings. And it's so tempting to just spend your money and enjoy, you know, YOLO, you only live once. It's like FOMO, fear of missing. I got to spend it. Those little gains are are those little games that you play to save or to lose weight, gain money, whatever are really helpful. I mean, they sound silly, but they actually work. Well, here's the thing. You think about it and it's like, oh, that's so easy. In month one, I'm only giving away. $10? Yeah. One, two, three, four, four, seven, nine, ten, uh, $10. But month 12, it's 200 and yeah, it's $200. And who has that? Like what kids, or if you're saying young adults, can they set aside $50 a week? Um, that is not that hard. Are you serious? I'm, the, I'm the nice hard? guy. I'm the nice guy. Are you thinking like a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old? Yeah, it, it depends on how old we're talking about. Oh, Where okay. are they making that money? I mean, 
uh, our kids that have jobs. I, it's all relative. I mean, this seems like no amount of money right now, but when we were young, it, that was a lot. That is having $1,300 in the bank is a lot. Yeah. Well, then I think you pursue ways to, to make money at that point. You're like, how can I make $20 this week? Or how can I make 50? You only have to make up to $52 in a week. But you have to set it aside. That means you're not spending it on other stuff. So that's where the yeah. discipline comes in. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Carrie, we're up against another break. When we come back, more sound insight. So please stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, we're talking, we've talked about fasting and working out and fitness fitness and finances. Well, part of finance is stewardship. Catholic Schools Week next week. And you brought me a conversation happening. Was it in one of your Facebook groups? Yes. Hi. I thought that was such an interesting conversation. And I'm going to bring it back. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you. Right. So what was the conversation? Uh, well, I think it was very relevant to me. I went to confession. I don't know when I went a few months ago, I confessed that I wasn't, I didn't feel like we were tithing enough. And I was really struggling with that whole part of our finances. And then I found on this Facebook group, this uh, discussion about this is a large Catholic family. So a lot of these families either homeschool or send their kids to Catholic schools. And so it was, is sending your kids to Catholic schools and paying private school tuition considered a tithe? And several of these families are from areas like Kansas, Nebraska, um, Missouri, where they actually don't have tuition, that you actually give money to your parish in the school or the diocese, even, I think it's in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, they allow all kids to go to school for free. They cover, not for free, but for free. You don't have to pay tuition. It's covered by the, the church. And it's considered part of your tithe that you would make a substantial tithe to the church, but they're going to cover the cost so that they don't um, reject anybody for um, going there if they don't, if they can't afford it, which is a beautiful thing, but it's just so unheard of in our experience here in the Northwest that you wouldn't have a tuition and anybody can come and, oh yeah, we're going to cover all the expenses. So in that light, a lot of the parents were like, oh yeah, absolutely. Our tithing our tuition is considered part of our tithe. Right. And I, I remember I, I did a lot of parish missions and spoke at conferences a bunch of times in Peoria, Illinois and Lincoln, Nebraska. And those were two of the most conservative dioceses in the country in the, in the nineties into the early two thousands. And um, I remember listening literally to a homily of a priest who was doing a, uh, a mass, a school mass, and I was struck by it because he, I can still remember what he said in his homily. He, part of it, he Wait, said, how long ago was this? This is in the late nineties. When we were married. Yeah. Oh, when you went to Peria. Or yeah. This was in Lincoln. Lincoln. Okay. And he said, now you, uh, boys and girls, God has a, a call, a vocation for your life. And so some of you boys are going to be called to be a priest like me. And some of you girls are going to be called to be uh, religious sisters or nuns. Uh, like the sisters at the school. And I just remembered it was, he spoke with this easy confidence that, of course, God's calling some of you to be priests and, and nuns. And I think they have a lot of vocations. They, that they did. Lincoln at that point, Lincoln and Peoria were two of the leading like sources of vocations. But I remember talking to the pastor and he was saying, yeah, the, there, there is no school tuition. 
but there was definitely a sense of the school is for parishioners. Well, I would think that would eliminate a ton of people going to the school that weren't truly Catholic. Cause right. why would you go? Yeah. So unless you was, were actually in the parish and going to daily mass or and Sunday you mass. you valued a Catholic education. So it wasn't, oh, you're getting you're going there for the, the private, private school or Catholic. the excellent education. You're Which going there for Catholic identity. 80% of right? Catholic schools is a for the private education, not because I want my son or daughter to become more holy. Right. Catholic identity. We love Jesus. And, yeah. We love Jesus and we want them oh. to grow in their Catholic faith. No, it's a rigorous and safe private place to be and all that riffraff is going to be excluded, blah, blah, blah. Well, what do you think then? Because I feel like when we give money for tuition, we are getting something in exchange. We're getting an education, a Christian Catholic education, but I've never considered it part of our tithe. Yeah. So I, and and you know what? Unless they switched it back to the way they just, they do it in uh, Lincoln. So I would say, here's how I would say it. I remember, do you remember Betty Brennan came to our house? Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Do you remember what I'm going to say? No. Yeah. So there was a couple, one of the couples, this woman who has this extraordinary mystical gifts of reading souls and preaching and all this. We had her come out to our house in federal way. Does she have the stigmata? No, no, that's a, that's a different friend of mine. Oh, okay. Sorry. She, she gets brought in around the world to discern evil spirits in mm-hmm. cases of exorcism and teaches exorcists how to discern and deliver evil spirits. How about that? Okay. So we had her come out and she was doing kind of a private married couples retreat. And she met with one of the couples and the couples said specifically this question, should we consider the amount of money we're giving to the Catholic school, part of our tithe. And she said, yes. So whatever that's worth, I remember that that was the first time I heard that conversation. Well, in this art, in this uh, conversation I was reading online, multiple people, moms had said their priest said it's considered part of your tithe or it is your tithe. Yeah. Especially if you have six, seven, eight kids and you're trying to send them all to private schools, it becomes really financially burdensome. Yeah. So here's the thing. You say, oh, I'm not, I'm getting something in return for the gift, right? For the, for the tuition, I'm getting my kids an education. Well, in most instances of tithing, you're getting something. You're in, in essence, what you're getting is a share in the mission, right? You're not just getting back a, like a tit for tap, right? Um, so there is a way in which there is a uh, uh, a benefit that is coming to you through that. So I guess what I would say is this: in our lives together, yours and mine, in our family life, um, we I I have not like used that as a um, as a standard. Like, no, we are going to tithe. We're going to give generously, but I use it as a safety net. Well, I really like. <laughs> Really like the idea, then I don't have to confess it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I typically will just um, give generously to people as well as other, tith- you know, the tithing we do regularly. Right. And I um, paid for someone's groceries last week and he was Ukrainian, did not speak a lick of English, like did not even understand. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. None of that. He just kept looking at me and he was so confused and he just like wanted, he didn't look like a, 
very poor Russian immigrant type person. He he looked like he had some, you know, togetherness, but I gave, I paid for his groceries because all the food he bought looked so healthy. And I was so <laughs> impressed that he was going to make these soups and all these grains. And I thought, wow, I'm going to buy his groceries. And also they forgot to ring up my milk. So I just ended up paying for his stuff as well. Um, and then of course we go out to the car and he gets into this really nice Lexus. <laughs> so go, well, I said, well, welcome to America. I said, God bless you. Welcome to America. But he definitely was brand new. All right. So please folks don't be near Carrie in the grocery store and bring a bunch of healthy food. She'll start paying for your groceries. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Carrie, if that's kind of a, I just think I love I just, that. That's what, beautiful. That's freedom. All I knew was he just looked at me so confused. And then he was pulling out his wallet to hand me cash. And I was like, no, no, it's a gift. It's a regalo. I was saying it in Spanish. Regalo. Did you say it slower and louder? I didn't have my phone with me, so I couldn't do like Google. Oh, that's so cute. And all the people around him, we were all like laughing because he was this older, distinguished man that thought, I will not let you American pay for my groceries that is beneath me or he was too proud to let someone do this it was just almost humiliating to him that's the sense i got nice and i just prayed for him maybe he was like royalty carrie <laughs> maybe maybe he's gonna Alexis. find out who you are and he's gonna come and he's gonna leave a basket okay he must be the godfather he's the head of the the, the ukrainian mafia it's <laughs> i just prayed for him and i just said lord Did you really of course i just said lord whatever you gave for that inspiration to buy his groceries, just be with him, just show him your love, show him your, I just kept thinking of different ways in which the Lord could speak. Of course, he knows how he can speak to this man's heart, but I just felt like this man is thinking, I am living in such a hell right now. I've lost everything in my country. I've had to come to this dumb country or this free country, but for him, it was probably the last thing he wanted to do. And He's a refugee and he's stuck here and his whole country has been taken over or, you know, I'm sure he's lost lots of loved ones to the war. And so I think almost it looked like he, if he wasn't um, just kind of stupefied, I think he was, he looked like he was in shock. Like the whole time I was there smiling at him, <laughs> he just kind of had this look of like no emotion. There was mm -hmm. just this kind of empty void, like, he, didn't, he needed a big hug. <laughs> I didn't hug him though. Anyhow. Thank you, dear. This is a silly story that sometimes the Lord just moves me and I want to freely give what I've been blessed with. And I actually bless you want others. That. You I want that big stadium. I you want that stadium. You want to come running in to the stadium. And Kevin. I just want the Lord to know, I know everything you've given me, given us is my husband's hard work is a gift. And I don't want to count pennies or I'm only going to give this amount of money to the... Yeah. I, I just want to bless big families, small families, families in need. I just want them to know God loves them. And if it's through food and, and meals and paying gro their groceries, it's such a joy and it's such not a big deal for me. I mean, it is a big deal, but it it means so much more to them than to, than me. But usually I am the one who ends up being so blessed by Well, Carrie, I'm very blessed by your conversation. We are out of time. I do appreciate you. Uh, being with me today, pray God's blessings upon all of you. 